0: Decadorks Everywhere. It's time (laughs) for the 100th Canonical Episode Extravaganza! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah! Party! And what more exciting place to celebrate than in the subterranean library of Lady Cadriel? (laughs) All of your favorites will be there. Superstars like Matt as Pine and Scott as Roos. Hi! That's me. Fan favorite Sabrina as Nari will be signing autographs. And there's even going to be new up and comer Jordan as Richter.
1: Hey there.
0: I too like to party. (laughs) 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 And you've wanted it. You asked for it. You've even dreamed about it. Paul as some random librarian that you've never heard of before this episode and maybe even a special guest. <laughs> so get your ear holes ready for some secret library carnage. Reviews can be left on your podcasting app and merchandise is available to purchase. And kids seats are just $5. <laughs> <laughs> You can even get the VIP experience by becoming a patron at patreon.com/slash 12-sided guys, or meet the players themselves on Discord. Anyway, if your flame-throwing pink Cadillac was no match for Sweet Tooth's ice cream truck, then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex episode 100. <laughs> <laughs> did you seriously do a twisted metal metal? yeah oh yes twisted metal and thumper was my favorite that flamethrower was so powerful i really liked the hearse on number two at least because you could you could outrun the ghost that you sent across the ground and if you blew it up underneath you it would make you jump in the air did it damage you though oh yeah it hurt like crazy (laughs) well twisted metal too what a great game what a fantastic game i played the hell out of that game to be fair, it's the only game we had on the PlayStation when we first got it <laughs> for a while. Yes. <laughs> well, welcome back to the city of Colinium in the country of Menarest. Last time we were together, Nari and the boys 2.0 arrived in Colinium uh, aboard the Brass Butterfly. I mean, after you know, kicking Roos' ex-boyfriend off the side of the airship with one Featherfall Crystal. This is Sparta style. <laughs> yes, I believe. <laughs> yes, I believe that that was said. I was wondering how high up he was and how long Featherfall actually lasts. <laughs> so you're going to look it up right now as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> After arriving in Calinium, uh Nari and the Boys 2.0 uh, decided to find a place to stay. So they headed over to the inn, the Belly Up. In and tavern, a place where Mr. Pine had stayed before when he was uh, working in Menarest, uh, trying to help as much as he could with the reformation of the country, of this theocracy. I enjoyed immensely watching not just Pine reacting to the innkeeper, but watching Matt react to what was happening with this innkeeper, Hudley, who kept flirting with Pine. Um, She's nice, but a bit classist. <laughs> yes, um, our party realized that uh, not so much the entire country of Menorest, but definitely the city of Colinium uh, is a little bit snooty, a little bit elitist. In fact, they even heard rumors of people from the villages outside um, coming into the city and being turned away. I feel like having a nice big plate of the rich.
2: Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> delicious. <laughs>
0: After settling up on some rooms uh, for the night and for their stay here in Colinium, the party decided to head over to the Library of Cadriel to uh, gather some information, whatever they could find about the heralds, and to potentially uh, reconnect with some of the other librarians uh, through the communication methods that they have from library to library. As they entered the library, they ran into one of these librarians, um, this Attractive, kind of grayish, bluish, uh, scaled, uh, kind of lizard woman who introduced herself as the Marchioness librarian Genevieve, um, who was actually on the council of six theocrats who actually rule the entire country. Um, she was in there doing some research. Genevieve helped a little bit as our party was attempting to find the secret library um, of Lady Cadriel. And after finding a bulletin board with different classes on it, uh, they discovered that Zone of Truth is not an abjuration spell. And while pulling on the tab to pull uh, the little flyer away for this class about abjuration magic, a secret door opened up, revealing a passageway to an elevator that goes down below the library. And that is where we stopped last time. So here we are in the library of Lord Cadriel looking at the elevator that descends down into the library of Lady Cadriel, Pine, as you stand there, feeling very good about yourself for having figured out this puzzle without even having to make an Arcana check, you hear a voice in your head. Pine, you hear, Father. I heard that you seek me. Well, here I am. Somehow again, we've blundered together. Come to Moraville now, or you miss your chance. Wait, what? You recognize the voice of your son, Temrid Jr. And you also know that Moraville is one of the villages outside of the city of Clinium, the one to the south, the one that was actually founded by refugees from Almar um, decades ago.
3: You guys, um, go... (sighs) Find out where the earthquakes are coming from. I have to
2: go. So, is everything okay? I don't know. I don't know.
3: I just received a personal message from my son, Temer Jr., he's nearby. I, I have to go. I have to go find him. But, but you, by all means, go go find out what there is to find out here in this library. Find out about where the earthquakes may be originating from. Find out if there's um, a known uh ruin or spire in the area. Um, and we'll be back in touch. We'll meet back up at the
2: hotel.
1: Mr. Pine, are are you sure? Are you sure it's your son and not some type of trap?
2: Given what's been going on, I think going alone is not a wise idea. I mean, certainly go to your son, but...
3: Absolutely. I'm home. Like, I mean, not my home home, but you know, I'm pretty comfortable here, and I, I'll have grumbles with me.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't think that's enough.
4: No, I'll, I'll go with you, Mr. Pine. You did me a solid in the alleyway, and and I'll do you a solid. It's it's no skin off my back.
3: Okay. But by, by all means, though, Richter... Nari, stay here. I guess Roos will go. Um, is feathers with us
0: 100%.
3: Okay. All right, well, let's go. Let's go. I, 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 if I remember correctly, I left I left Crumble's with Porthos to just chill outside.
0: Well, let's let's be off. All right. So, Roos and Pine, you leave the library of Lord Cadriel as Nari and Richter are staring straight ahead at this elevator. Nari and Richter, what are you guys going to do?
1: Going down, I guess.
0: I suppose so. As you step into this elevator, this is definitely not as clean and... Clean's the wrong word. Sleek, I guess, would be the more operative word. Um, These elevators, these lifts that you had been in in these ancient facilities, they were very sleek, very smooth, um, very um, just kind of... um, very advanced. This is more like the elevator that you were in um, outside of Calta, the one that was developed by the Empire. Um, This is a clunkier, noisier, um, sort of a very mechanical uh, uh, elevator.
1: This feels very steampunk compared to what we're used to.
0: This is definitely steampunk, much less crystal punk. Uh, You step into the elevator and you pull the lever to make the elevator descend. As you pull the lever and the elevator starts to descend, you see the wall um, that had opened up revealing the secret passage. Um, you see it close as well. And the elevator descends down, down, down. You you guess about 25 feet uh, down beneath the earth before it opens up and you can see It opens up into this large room. It's gotta be like 60 feet across, 70 feet across uh, as a square, and it is lined on all four walls with bookcases. Uh, You can see there's pillars in the middle of the room that hold the ceiling up. It's kind of dark down here. Um, There are some lights, uh, but it is is dark. Uh, It is definitely a subterranean feeling. As you descend, you didn't even realize that you could hear the hustle and bustle of the city through the walls of the library but as you descend down here it gets quiet like a tomb as you descend down the elevator comes to a stop and the iron gate that uh protects you from falling into the gears whatever it opens and um you can see that there are some candles that are lit down here uh illuminating this room uh this room also uh it is uh it's a square on the eastern wall you see there are two doors and on the southern wall you see a door so there's three ways in and out of this room Um, again walls lined with bookshelves as you guys are kind of stepping out of the elevator the door closest to the elevator on the western wall opens and you see a man step out he is middle-aged he's got like a gray goatee he's got a bald head and he's wearing the robes kind of of a librarian of Cadriel. And uh, you see that the lower half of his body is actually uh, a snake. You haven't seen uh, one of these snaky folk for a while. And the last one that you saw was not necessarily uh, a friend, uh, but you see this librarian step out.
1: Careful, Richter. Don't Don't trust the sneaky bitches.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, You see this librarian uh, step out and say, Oh, well, welcome to the library of Lady Cadriel. I am Librarian Lionel.
2: Greetings, uh, Librarian Lionel. My name is Kaelin. Kaelin Richter. And this is my compatriot, Nari. Oh, Oh,
0: yes. Nari and Richter, we were told that you were coming. We were informed by librarian uh, Colbury out in Arkilvy that you guys were on your way. Uh, uh, we were yes. we were asked to help you in any way that we can. So, yes, uh, w- welcome to the Library of Lady Cadriel. I- is there anything that I can help you with specifically? I I'm supposed to when you show up. I'm supposed to notify librarian Colbury that you're here. I believe he wants to meet with you as well. I think he's managed to gather some information, but. Um, I guess feel free to to look around. I'm going to go get that organized. And he starts to uh, leave the room and head towards the south.
2: Okay.
1: Nari is a little bit suspicious of snake people. So like if she could kind of just poke her head around the doorway that he left without being seen or heard, I think that would be ideal.
0: You're a racist. You can open any door. (laughs) You can open any door. Uh, so he left through the southern door. He came in through the like one of the western doors, and he and then he left uh, through the southern door.
1: Listen, Rector, I'm sure this is an upstanding librarian, but I just I kind of want to make sure that we're not getting ourselves into any sort of trouble here. And I'll just kind of poke my head and see if I can see where he's going.
0: Yeah, sure.
2: I mean, I I understand. I'm after what I've seen after being with you guys. <laughs> A healthy amount of skepticism is totally acceptable.
0: Uh, Nari, you open that door to the south. You can see that it opens into um, another room, another large room. It's basically the same size. Um, It looks like this room has no entrances or exits. It also has four pillars supporting a ceiling. It has bookshelves on the walls. It does have one
1: entrance because that's where I came from.
0: Okay, it has the northern entrance that you're coming in through. Yes. Touche. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Oh, Sabrina, you got him good. <laughs> Yes, my face is red. Um, in the middle of this room, you see this long table covered in scrolls and books. And sitting at the table, you see this short man. He has uh, dark hair. He's short, like three feet tall. He's got this big mustache with a big curl on the end. And he is poring over uh, some papers. And at the far south end of this room, you can see Librarian Lionel. You can see him at um, at the far wall and it looks like he is touching some places on the wall and then you see a secret door open up and he walks through and then a secret door then closes behind him.
1: Am I able to tell what his like what he did to open the door at all? Why
0: don't you make a perception check um, and um, this just you know this other man who's here in this room is also dressed as a librarian.
1: <clears throat> Not 20 for 30. <laughs> oh! Um, also, yeah, actually, I would like to memorize this guy's mustache just so I can bring the idea back to <laughs> Roos.
0: I know, I was going to say, it's a good thing Roos isn't here or he would be really, really, you know, sad to see such a magnificent mustache. I mean, look at the token. It is like a magnificent mustache. <laughs> look at that mustache. That's a great mustache. It like it doesn't even look like it
4: belongs on his face. Probably crawled down from his eyebrows. I want
1: to remember it just so I can draw it for Roos and mock him later. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Um, so as you open the door, Nari, for, so with your perception check, yeah, natural 20, uh, a couple things that you notice. Uh, this this guy, this short guy here who's sitting at the table does not even notice that you've walked in. Um, you can tell by the way he is dressed. He is dressed in the robes of um, a librarian of Cadriel. but you notice there's something a little different about him. You see there's like a little gold brooch right at the neck that the other librarian was not wearing. And when you think back with your perception, you recognize that the librarian on the first floor, the, uh, the Marchioness, um, uh, Genevieve, the, one of the, uh, one of the, uh, six leaders of Menarest, she had a similar brooch. Um, this man here also has a brooch. And, uh, and what you also noticed, what you were really interested in, is that uh, Librarian Lionel, the snake man, um, when he went to the far wall, this room is, it's all brick, like stone, sturdy. Uh, but you see that there's two stones on that far wall that are slightly discolored. They have a little bit more red cast to them. And you saw him push both in at the same time. And that opened up the secret door. Very simple, but... If you didn't know to look for, like, the discoloration, you wouldn't even really notice it.
1: Okay, I think I'll, at this point, just kind of sneak back and report to Richter and just say, there appears to be another person in that room. Maybe they're a librarian, but they they have that same gold brooch as the other uh, one of the six leaders of Menarrest. So just be careful. Head on a swivel. Head on a swivel.
0: As you say head on a swivel, you see the other door on the western wall open and this um, older woman, probably in her 60s, gray hair, um, cat ears, uh, comes walking out and she is also dressed in librarian's robes. And she says, oh, I thought I heard voices. Oh, welcome to the library of Lady Cadriel.
2: Uh, Good evening. And Richter will give kind of a curt, uh, short bow to her. She bows back. Uh, she says, I'm Librarian Muriel
0: of the Library of Lady Cadriel.
2: Hello, Librarian Muriel. Um, my name is Kaylin, Kaylin Richter, and this is my compatriot Nari. I believe Librarian Lionel was uh, going to go and provide us with some information.
0: Yes, yes, we have been waiting for you, but we were told there'd be four of you. Um, are we waiting for the others to join, or should we go and convene now?
1: No, let's let's convene now.
0: Yeah, they have been otherwise detained. She says, "Let me grab what I've been working on, and then uh, you can follow me." She steps back into the room that she was in, and she's gone for just a little bit, and then she comes back out, and she is carrying—she's um, carrying this uh, scroll. Uh, it's a scroll case, um, but it's open, and it looks like she was—she's very carefully putting a scroll into this scroll case um, as she comes walking back out, and she says, "If you wouldn't mind following me." And then she leads you back down into that southern room where um, the short librarian was. As she walks by, she kind of nods at him and says, Librarian Mitri, and then walks right by. Mitri, this other um, librarian, does not even look up from his studies. And she walks over to this door. She pushes on on the two bricks, and it opens up. And you guys can see into this room this secret room here at the southern edge of the library
1: as as i'm walking past mitri and like i notice that that's the guy with the brooch am i able to see what he's studying
0: um with your natural 20 um yeah actually you can totally see what he's studying he is studying um it looks like he is studying, uh, you see at the top of the page that he's looking at, there is a symbol that you would recognize. It is a hand with wings on it, but it looks incredibly old. It looks like he is studying something about Iramiel. Cool. Or he's looking, at, looking into infor- more information about that Wham group. <laughs> he could be. He could be. Um, as you guys step into this uh, southernmost room, you see this room is a little bit smaller. It too has bookshelves covered in old books and texts and things. Um, in the middle of the room, though, there are six chairs set around this very large glass orb. Now, you guys have not seen one of these, but um, you've been told that there is a way that the librarians can communicate library to library. And you imagine this must be the contraption that they use. They motioned for you, uh, Lionel and Muriel, both motioned for you guys to have a seat.
1: Are we uh, communicating with the other libraries? Is that, that that's what's happening?
0: Yes, we will, uh, this is uh, Lionel says, yes, we will we'll wait for uh, Colby to, to gather what intelligence he has. He informed us that he has found some information, and I'm glad to say so have we. Um, and also the librarians in Almar, um, I think it was either Degory or Zeta, actually, I think it was Zeta, who uh, managed to find some more information. We've been told that your quest for knowledge is of the utmost importance for Pavantis, and we are we're doing our best to gather what intelligence we can. Um, As uh, he finishes that you see this glass orb here it's I mean it's probably like seven feet in diameter it's it's very large Um, you see it start to glow from the inside um, kind of this greenish blue and there's this kind of smoke fog moving through it Um, it's lit from inside and then you see the silhouette of a figure, and as it kind of forms, you can start to make out the rough facial features of Librarian Colby, um, Colby, the man that you guys ventured with five years ago down beneath Summerhome. the The man who was with you when you met Irimil, when you guys shattered the world. He was there Not with you.
2: <laughs> I don't know this man. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Nari recognizes him. Uh and um the features don't completely it's not like a crystal clear image but you Nari you recognize enough that this this is Colby. Um more than likely. Um and uh you hear a voice that says, "Ah, Nari. Nari, wh- where's where's Pine and Roos? I ha- I have some information."
1: Ah, oh, my friend, it's it's good to see you. Um, Pine and Roos got Called away for another urgent matter. I, I hope you can share the information with me and our our new good friend, Richter. Richter, this is uh, this is Librarian Colbury. He's been quite an asset to us as well as a friend.
2: Yes, Colbury, I, I think I've heard a little bit about you from the the tales that have been told about the past. Uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Now, Colbury, that's almost a cheese.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it says pine for some reason as he's riding on crumbles through the city uh you uh, Richter, you'd also recognize the name Colbury as the former magister of tabri um a man who during the death of an adjudicator just kind of disappeared during that whole fiasco with uh the kidnapping and uh, ransoming of uh of uh chancellor ramsey uh five years ago right so you you, you definitely recognize who Colbry is uh he says well have a seat um let me explain what i have managed to find um you can see the shape inside the orb uh he kind of pulls out this um old book i mean it's it has no cover on it it looks like it's a book but the cover's missing so he's just kind of moving papers aside very very carefully um and he says uh ah, i I was down deep, deep in the, uh, in the archive and I, I managed to find this book, but I I had Berta help me with the translation because I I don't speak the language, but we managed to, uh, find some information that, that might, it might aid you, um, as you seek out these heralds. Um, so he starts, he moves to a page that's been bookmarked and he says, here, I'm going to just read what it says. Um, as close a translation as we could get. He says, there will be five before the close. Okay. Um, and then um, some illegible parts that have even lost to time. And then it picks up again here. Um, it says, it angers quickly before it draws breath. Its blood will pump as its limbs grow strong. And awakening brings the end. And then uh, we miss a couple of pages here. And uh, here it picks up again over here. It says, these five shall be known and their words will precede them. Flame and ash, the anger of Pavantus. Take this anger and enrage the end. And here's one that we recognize. Wind and air, the breath of Pavantus. Take this breath and breathe life into the end. That's what you heard in the mountain, yes. Um, the next one, uh, rain and sea, the blood of Pavantus. Take this blood and vitalize the end. And and this one, stone and dirt, the body of Pavantis, take this body and build the end. And the last one, consciousness and ether, the mind of Pavantis, take this mind and awaken the end. And there is a diagram here that shows five spirals around a star, um, which, as I recall, we saw that on a... A tattoo, correct? Is my mind remembering that correctly? He's asking you, Nari.
1: No, that that is correct. That was a uh, my brother, my brother's work. Uh, the star with the five spirals. It seems as though this might be, this might be prophetic.
0: That wasn't your brother. That was that was pre your brother. Yeah, that was that was pre. That was a uh, that was a uh, what was her name? Oh my gosh! Oh
1: my god! That was before <laughs> my brother. That was oh my goodness, Paul. Um, Sorry, that was, that was a, a tattoo done by the previous elder of my tribe. It appears whatever you must have found is, is prophetic.
0: There's one last section of this book that is actually still legible. Um, I don't know who wrote this. Um, so take all of this with a grain of salt. But it's the closest thing that we could find to actually anything going on. Says here, finding the five is perilous, and some are found more easily than others. Where the breath blows hardest, where the anger burns hottest, where the blood flows wildest, where the mind is most alert. But the body is hidden. Where movement is greatest, seek the body in the rest between. That is as close a translation as we could get. Hmm. Ooh.
1: That's very cryptic. I wish we had Mr. Pine here to help us uh, solve this riddle.
0: I'll make sure to send it over in Slack so that he can see it too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. We don't use Slack anymore. It it doesn't save your messages forever. Please send it via Discord.
0: Do you really think we have more than 90 days? I don't know about that. This all seems to be coming to a head. Yeah, Colby says that is what we've managed to find. Again, these translations are as close as we could come. Berta is amazing with language, but this one is ancient. That's what we've found. So, in the space between, in the rest. So, are we thinking there's there's earthquakes all around, and the one place that's not feeling them is where we'd find this herald? I, I kind of think so. Yeah, that's the
4: impression I got. It's the impression that I get.
0: Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> Boop, boop, boop. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> i knew you were gonna do that uh so librarian uh, muriel is sitting there um there in the room with you and she says uh librarian colby that's amazing what you've managed to find um here we've managed to find some as well some things and she pulls out that scroll case as she uh pops the top off she reaches in she delicately pulls out this t- this ancient scroll she unravels it you can see it starting to like crack and blister and as she's unraveling it you see her stop and cast a gentle mending spell on it so she can open it more and mend again and like she has to mend it repeatedly as she's opening it because it's so old and brittle and uh she says uh, she pulls this out she starts reading it she says this scroll it seems to speak of lesser angels who are servants to an angel who happens to be the servant to what must be. I'm pretty sure that's what we're dealing with.
2: Correct? I believe so. Uh, continue, though.
3: Hell if I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're way off base.
0: Pine <laughs> says to Roos as they're driving, riding through
2: town. Roos <laughs> is so confused right now, I got to imagine.
0: No, it fits in the conversation that they're having so well, though. I tell you, my upper lip does feel colder. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, she keeps reading. She says, um, It says, although these lesser angels pale in power to the angel they serve, um, it looks like they are indeed immortal. As we've been poring over this, uh, it seems that these. These lesser angels, these servants, these heralds, I guess is what you've been calling them, um, they're immortal. And the only thing that allows them to actually be, to end, to be defeated, is, it says, to have their calling complete. So what it looks like, as I've been poring over this and, and doing the calculations, it looks like if one of these... Heralds one of these lesser angels is defeated before they have quote completed their calling that within a moon's turn so what twenty eight days um their corporeal body will reform for them to complete their calling
2: you gotta be kidding me that's what this seems to say <sighs> and it's been. A week and some days since we... It's been 12 days. <laughs> since me. I'm pretty sure it's <laughs> or
0: been... Or no, it's been like 14. It's been, it's been 14 days. It's been 14 days. You're halfway... Two weeks. So at this point... So with that information, let's just figure this out. Because I said some different numbers. I said originally that the flight from Almar to Colinium was going to take six days. But it only took you four. Okay, um, so you are at a total of 14 days. You had managed to have some great wind and, um, and it was a in spite of being attacked by three bounty hunters, um, you guys managed to uh, make good time. Uh, so it has been two weeks, which means two more weeks potentially and Amavi's uh, body could reform in the city of Elmar. And then I believe five or six days after that, Trophos's body could reform up in the mountains above um but didn't trophos finish his task
4: incredibly close oh oh sorry i was thinking of i was thinking of the fire one sorry the fire
0: Saros did but you guys wouldn't know that either i guess i mean we can assume since it came after us that, that's true that's true a little look behind the screen um in the battle with Trophos, when the Snow Patrol was up fighting um, up in the mountains, uh, it was literally within a couple of rounds of Trophos finishing his job. Um, it was a lucky failed wisdom save roll um, from Trophos that caused him to stop fighting and, or stop uh, his job and start fighting um, the Snow Patrol. That is the information that uh, looks like uh, librarian Muriel has managed to gather. Uh, and, um, as you, as, as Muriel finishes, uh, her report, uh, from the scroll, she carefully rolls it back up, slides it back into the scroll case. And she says, and I'm, I'm fairly certain that librarian Zita in Almar has found some more information as well that very well may help you. Um, she puts her hand on the orb and she, she kind of closes her eyes and concentrates. And you see the image of Colbury, fade and disappear and then a new image appears and it is this uh this woman that you have met um her name is librarians didn't meet her in the game she was kind of in that little in between when you guys were spending time in the library uh, in the library in almar but uh she comes in and she is this um she's a thin woman she's got pointed ears uh she's got her hair always up in a bun but it's always slightly messy like it's like she's um Constantly like uh, sticking pens or or quills in it. And it just constantly is getting kind of messed up. She has this kind of absent-minded look uh, about her at all times. And she wears glasses and she's just that hot librarian. You're exactly right. (laughs) 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 Anyway, she comes on. She says, oh, uh, yes. um, uh, I, I found some information that we were looking for. If you recall, we were looking for information about the tunnels beneath almar Um, and she holds up this big sheet of like parchment and it has all these like drawings on it she says i i found a map i found a map that details the tunnels beneath the city and she sets it down in front of her and you can see her looking at it and she says um I, i found where um all the tunnels lead i found here um Right here, she points on the map, uh, this is the layer um, of uh, Amavi, the Herald of the Mind. This is, this is where that spire is, um, and there are some notes in the margins on this map um, that speak of a guardian and a gate, or, or, or else a gate to a guardian. I'm, I'm not sure which it is, but um, it says five keys will open the gate, but release the guardian and that the gate should be opened only if all else seems lost. That's what I've managed to find here on this map. I will, of course, keep looking, but um, that's what I've managed to gather.
2: But who, who wrote that? Do you have any idea of who, who authored that, that piece?
0: Um, she's looking over this map, and she kind of shrugs. She says, it's not signed. I think this was part of a bigger collection, but this may be all that's managed to survive. She says hotly. Wait, on the margin, it says game genie. <laughs> <laughs> did, you just, did you just speak hotly? I said she says hotly. And
2: then she motions <laughs> boobily.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Any idea of how old it is? How old is this? Um, it's old. It's not,
0: it's not as old as it seems as some of the other things that we have in our archive. But this predates the Empire
2: for sure. Um, I'm not sure. Do you have any idea on whether the cult of Iramil existed during whatever epic in which this may have originated?
0: That's a good question. Let me me make a roll for her. Let me make a a history roll for her. I'll make it with advantage because you have lots of librarians there. Okay, so that would be an 18. Between the, the four of them that are in this room, you got Colby on his end, you've got Zeta on her end, and then you've got Muriel and Lionel. They kind of uh, start to talk amongst themselves for probably like... Oh, I didn't realize we were conference calling. Colby's
1: still here?
2: This is a straight up conference call. Yeah, yeah.
1: Convenience.
2: Wait, is my camera on? <laughs> Richter's been scratching himself the entire time. He now sits up very straight in and his And now chair. he's not wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: Colbury's child is running through in the background.
3: (laughs) That little girl who comes bebopping in during the BBC broadcast. Oh, my God. That was the
0: funniest (laughs) Zoom call I've ever seen. That was even funnier than I am not a cat. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. 2020, you guys. What a. Richter does have cat ears. I sure do. Yes, he does. (laughs) I have a cat. Uh, and so does, so does Muriel. Um, they, they converse back and forth amongst each other for a little bit, and then after about 45 seconds or a minute, they, it, it would seem that, yes, there probably was some um, cult of Viramil uh, around, but nothing, nothing substantial like there is today. Nothing like there was pre-Crystal uh, Engine. Nothing like there was uh, before recorded history.
2: Right. Pre-Alelian collapse or whatever it was, cataclysm that occurred
0: whatever we're calling it this is all very new for us yeah
2: <laughs> right uh the reason i ask is uh, the author um said that it would release the guardian but a guardian is usually seen as like a defender of something and it's this author said it was a, an option of last resort making the assumption or presumably indicating that this guardian should be released if all other options uh, had failed. Now, the question of authorship becomes incredibly important at this point because the uh, the issue at play is if those that authored this were of the cult of Iramil, then... They would be asking for this Guardian to be released as a means of kind of last chance uh, protecting their ends um, from being frustrated in order to realize what they need to be realized. Uh, Hence, the authorship becomes incredibly important because it adds context to what is being discussed here.
0: Very valid points. Yes. And... Frankly, we just don't
2: know. We just don't know who wrote this. But it seems to be accurate. Richter kind of scratches his chin and thinks about it. So if I'm understanding this correctly, then, these heralds, the ones at least that have not completed their task, uh, likely will continue to return until they complete their task. And so we either stay in a state of quasi-collapse purgatory, where we constantly have to battle these things into the dust. Or we could perhaps collect the keys that they seem to leave behind upon their defeat and see if this guardian, whatever that may be, may prove a boon or a bane to mankind. It would seem so. I might be missing something here, but... This is all that we've been able to gather.
0: We will keep searching for more information, but at this point, we've scoured every, every nook and cranny of our of our vaults, um, and this is what we've managed to come up with.
1: And we appreciate it.
0: Yeah,
2: this is helpful.
1: Incredibly helpful. We, we appreciate all of you um, working so steadfast towards this goal. I'm sure Pine and Reese would say the same, but we all will figure out what this means or die trying, I guess.
2: Yes. We we all appreciate you, but especially you. And he points to librarian Muriel and winks. Ooh <laughs>
3: <laughs> mommy, <clears throat>
1: sorry, mommy. <clears throat> sorry. Mommy <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, as you guys are finishing your conference here in the library, I imagine there's still some conversation going on. Um, we are going to jump over to Pine and Roos. And if you keep the mustache off for a long time, your lip
3: will
4: just get used to it and your face won't feel cold anymore. I promise. I want to believe you, but I just can't imagine not feeling cold right here.
3: Well, you, you can always grow it back. I mean, you, you changed your look and they still found you. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yes. I keep changing things about myself and it doesn't seem to impact anything.
3: Well, that's the thing. You shouldn't be changing yourself for an ex. Right? <laughs> Even to hide from an ex?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I I I think it'll be a while before he pokes he he resurfaces. <laughs> um as you guys are having this conversation as pine and Roos are riding upon um feathers and crumbles uh, you have left the actual city proper of Colinium. you uh you leave through the southern gate called the poppers gate um and you leave the beautiful um well-built kind of a uh, picturesque uh gothic architecture of the city and literally right on the other side of the wall of the city is ramshackle rundown um lots of wooden buildings lots of old buildings you see boarded up windows you see broken doors you see um you see people um kind of uh you know trying to make the best of their situation but you see you see poverty you, um, why don't you guys both make uh, perception checks as you guys are moving through, either perception or insight. Uh, I'll let you do either one. Uh, but you guys start heading south into this village of Moraville. Bruce got a twenty-seven. Pine got a fifteen insight. With Bruce's perception, you see a lot of hunched shoulders. You see a lot of. Um, uh, of angry... Or of glances at the city, at the city walls. Um, and you see, um, a lot of, um, you see a lot of... You uh, see a lot of folks gathering together in small groups and talking. Um, Pine, with your 15, you just get this sense of anger and unease uh, about this place as you as you enter Moraville. You head south along kind of... It, you can tell that this road... Uh, was at one point cobblestones, um, but some of the cobbles have been dug up. Uh, Some of them have just been like uh, grass and dirt have been kicked over them so much that now they've been grown over with grass. You can see patches of cobbles uh, here and there. Um, And as you head south into Moraville, you can see uh, you're not exactly sure where to go. Your son just told you to go to Moraville. So I imagine Pine, you're just kind of heading into the city waiting for something to happen. Right. I think if I see any somebody who looks. uh, I'm I'm hesitant to approach any of the groups because I feel like uh, this is uh, people preparing a revolution and I don't want to like jump in the middle of a conversation um, or spook anybody. Well, as you move down towards, uh, into the city, you you move towards kind of the, the old, uh, the village, you move towards the oldest part of the village. Um, these houses are close together. They're, you know, lots of common walls. You have like a plaster uh, faced building leaning up against this old wooden building. You see some of these walls have fallen in. You see, uh, you see though, that you've come to a part of the village where people aren't moving around like they are in other parts of the village. They're not, there's not kids running here and there. There's not, you know, um, people hanging their lines out. There's not, um, neighbors chatting. There's not somebody tending a garden. Uh, you do see people kind of sitting around outside of these buildings, a couple of people sitting on some boxes. You can see like there's, um, you know, there's, a uh, uh, some, uh, people watching you as you, as you move into, uh, kind of Moraville, uh the old part of the village and as you move down towards the center of this oldest part of town um you do see that one of the um these figures is kind of wearing a cloak he's got his hood pulled up classic um I'm a shadowy figure type of a deal, you know, like if he's in an inn, he's going to find the darkest corner to go sit in and brood. Um, you know, um, but you see him kind of rise up off of a box and walk over and say, Mr. Pine.
3: Uh, Yes, that would be me. Are you Aragorn son of Arathorn? I kind of get that vibe from you.
4: (laughs) He was going by Strider when he was in the inn.
3: Sorry, Strider.
2: Yeah, (laughs) should be
1: very careful, Mr. Frodo.
2: Unless my eyes deceive me, one of the Dunedain Rangers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He he just, uh, once you kind of acknowledge it, you're Mr. Pine. He just turns around and walks away and heads down through an alleyway between two of the buildings. Is there room to take Crumbles through there? Ah, yes. All right, I follow.
4: I'll follow behind and say... There's an organization to the people here. I don't know what their affiliation is, whether a thieves' den or an uprising, but there seems to be more organization to these people than to the general population in Moraville.
3: I think they may be planning a dinner party.
4: Well, I I like to eat dinner. I mean, where they're going to eat the rich. Ah, yes, (laughs) yes. Hopefully they have
1: some good cheese, like, (laughs) compadrons.
4: Well, uh, there's a drink that I that I've heard goes nicely with it, and I think it's called taxes,
0: but I can't remember. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, as as you follow this this uh, this shadowy figure, he moves down between some of the buildings. There's this little like courtyard area between some of these old rundown buildings, and he heads towards one building that has. Um, it looks like uh, there's somebody else sitting outside. This person, uh, they're out of view of kind of the main road that you guys came in on. Um, this is definitely an armed, uh, an armed figure, uh, wearing uh, a chain shirt, got a shield, has a spear, has a sword. It's kind of sitting, um, leaning up against a wall, watching the door to one of these houses. As you approach, this shadowy figure kind of nods at him. Uh, this uh, this armed figure sees the two of you following and does not move, but just watches you as the shadowy figure moves into one of these buildings. And the shadowy figure is not looking back; is just expecting you to follow. Good uprising to you, sir. <laughs> I don't say that. I'm just kidding. Russell Russell follow him in. Okay. Um, as you guys enter into this, uh, this building, you see that this building is, it, it looks like a house from the outside, but the inside has, uh, it's, it looks like, uh, there is, uh, this like 20 foot by 30 foot open space that would have been living and kitchen and all of, all of this, uh, all in one, it has been cleared out. It is now covered or filled with tables that have weapons and armor, shields. Um, it has like, like uh, maps and things pinned to the wall. Uh, and you see this shadowy figure head towards a door kind of on the south side of this room. And he knocks, you hear a voice say, enter. And then the shadowy figure opens the door and steps aside, motioning the two of you to go on in. Pine will go in. Did I recognize the voice? Uh, yes, you did. It sounds an awful lot like your son, Temrid Jr. Pine will hurry in, and, as, and if I see Temrid in that room, I will rush to him and put my arms around him if he'll let me. Actually, even if he won't let me. I'm that kind of dad.
1: Dad, you're embarrassing me. Stop! <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, Paul. Is
4: that a map of Colinium on the table in... The dungeon map here? Yes, it is. Isn't that so awesome? Oh, (laughs) my goodness. That's amazing.
1: Did you do that? Like, is that a thing that this?
0: Patrons of a certain level can go onto the wiki and see this map. This map of a map. You can see the battle map that also has the city map on the battle map. Uh, no, Dungeon Alchemist is a great program that uh, some of the, sometimes you can put like parchment as like an object and it lets you put your own image on it. And so what better image for an uprising or for whatever's going on here? I, t- I, I'm tipping my hand. than to actually have the city map on the uh, on the table. I'm blown away. That was that was a, an awesome
4: little touch. <laughs>
0: You know, when I'm doing the Twitch streams, I am constantly telling the people who are listening that most of the stuff I'm putting in these maps is only for me. Because the angles that we actually see the maps at, the things I'm putting on the walls and things don't actually show up for you guys. But I know they're there. So I'm glad that you saw this and you know that this is there. (laughs) You walk in to this room and you see sitting at the head of this table covered in parchment and ink quills uh, and, and uh, ink pots and like a big map of the city of Colinium. You see your son, Temrid Jr. He looks older than the last time you saw him. I mean, he's middle aged still, but he's closer to 50 now than he is to 40. Um, he His hair is gray at the temples. Um, he looks a little leaner, a little more grizzled. Got a little bit of a mullet going there, looks like, kind on of his token. <laughs> That's the same token that was there five years ago, but yes. Uh, yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> his, his hair's a little bit more mullety, sure, why not? Um, uh, he's not dressed in the finery that you saw him last time when he was a lawyer uh, following Adjudicator Ulrich. Um, he is dressed in, um, you know, common clothes, wearing looks like a leather breastplate over the top of his clothing and he looks up from the map and sees you approach and before he can get two words out you have walked over and grabbed him in an embrace my son he pauses a beat and then hugs you back with ferocity
3: my son this is where you've been this whole time I've been looking for you for years. I know. I know you have. I know you have. I'm so happy to find found
0: you. I know you've been looking for me. I, I was aware years ago when you tried to contact me with, with magics and spells, and I did not respond. And I have my reasons. I think I can assume your reasons,
3: at least... Your, your your current preoccupation.
0: Father, this is not current. This has been going on for years. Father, you you were here in the city and I was here in Moraville and in the city doing the same thing that you were doing. Just a different approach. You were seeking to to create the theocracy of Menarest again to to its former glory, as was I. And you were seeking to change it politically from the inside. But I didn't see that as a possibility. And I've been seeking to change it from the outside. And when you tried to contact me with your sending spells, I... I didn't respond. I didn't, I hoped that your way would work, but I feared it would not. And I did not need you to be associated with me. Does that make sense?
3: It, it does, it, it makes sense. And, and I won't lie, I did find myself hopeless. Oh, by the way, you remember Roos? I mean, you didn't really get to meet him. He was busy, you know, stuffing a corpse with rocks when you came
4: around. (laughs) I will never forget that.
1: Smartly,
4: intelligently. (laughs) Wait, did you stick around for that? I can't remember. Oh, no, it
0: was already done by the the time he showed up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He says, "Uh, Mr. Roos, I appreciate you keeping my father safe.
4: Well, he keeps me more safe than I could ever keep him.
0: Again, take some credit, man. <laughs> <laughs> Tempured Jr., he, sta- he, he sits back down and he says, please ha- have a seat, Father. And Roos, please have a seat. You see there's a couple of other, like, uh, um, I, I was going to call them soldiers, but they're not really soldiers. These are citizens They are armed and uh, they look to be some kind of leaders here in this whole uh, situation. Uh, but they're sitting at the table and when uh, Temrid asks you guys to sit, they both stand up and they excuse themselves and then they leave the room, leaving it to just the three of you.
3: So what's the timeline looking like for this? I mean, I've plenty. there's plenty of other things I want to catch up with you on. But what's the timeline looking like? No, it's close. Do you have military leaders,
0: former, former military here among you? We have former military, but not former military leaders. The, uh, f- father, you know, the pension is... Great, the former military leaders—they're all inside the city. They wouldn't come out here.
4: <sighs>
0: but the timeline is close. Yeah, don't
4: mention the pension. I—he I, was dishonorably discharged. He doesn't get that pension.
3: Oh no, I had—I—I I was honorably discharged, but everybody still blames me. And yeah. Oh, oh, so you do get
4: the pension? Okay. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I had the pension. Um. And then I th- I've kind of been off the grid, so like my my checks haven't <laughs> been finding me.
2: <laughs> gotcha. Okay. <laughs> the arrears on that—I mean, holy cow!
3: <laughs> I understand what you're doing, and I I I empathize.
0: I truly really do. <sighs> well, now you're here. You can help me. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want. I didn't want to ask your help when you were trying to do it. I mean, honestly, the right way. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a student of the law. I know that what you were doing, the way you were approaching uh, making Menarest as good as it could possibly be, I know that that was the best way to try to change things, but that way failed. So now we have to fall back to more drastic measures. And you're here. I, I heard rumors that you hired Howling Talon to find me. Yes. Yes, so they've been poking around a little bit. But then I heard that you arrived in the city and I thought, what uh, serendipity that you would be here. My father, the hero of Menarest to help, to help heal this country. I think I was only a hero to you. Oh, that's not
3: true. Menarest remembers me differently. Well, let's change that memory. Show me your plans. Three days. I have uh, yeah.
0: three days. Holy moly, Father! This has been in the works for, at this point, years, at least a year and a half. But it's finally come down to it. On the first day of Mooton... What's the catalyst? The falling. It, you would know that the falling is a. Uh, it's a uh, a holiday. It celebrates when like a comet fell from the sky hundreds of years ago and they call it the falling. Um, and it is, a uh, in, in the country of Medarest, it's seen as a, uh, a sign from the Lords and ladies, uh, of them watching over the country. Um, and so, uh, that day is in three days. It's the first day of fantasy may, I think. Muton. It's may day. It says on the falling is when we make our move. So I don't know if you've noticed, but Collinium has they have been more and more strict about who can come and go from the city. Uh, They've been, not only have they been keeping us, citizens of Menorest, out of the city because we don't we don't fit their mold, but they have been actually moving people out of the city that we're already in. They have been segregating themselves from us, the the workers, the, the, the whatever you want to call us, the, the poor, the lower class, they have been proletariat. They have been building themselves up and living off of the wealth of this of this nation. And we are going to stop that. We have been secretly moving in in ones and twos and threes. People. Over the last few months into the city. Now, just earlier today, I just got news that some of us got stopped at the gate, but hopefully that's not going to keep happening. We have we have operatives in the city ready when the parade starts on the falling that are ready to make their move on the Abbey of Balance.
3: Oh, man. This
0: is, uh, this is a big deal. This is a huge deal, Father. And you're here right at the right time, to help me. And Mr. Roos, you as well. We would love any aid that you could that you could render. Father, they have no claim. They have no rightful claim. They call it a theocracy. They say that they are led by the six, but they're led by one. The other five either have been bought off or are too timid and weak to say anything.
3: Well, it's pretty clear that whoever is currently leading men is not is not the cleric of Nuraya. Because there is no mercy for the people here. There is no kindness. There is only disdain, and I've observed
0: it. No, it's the Marchioness Judge Annette. And you would know that that is the, the acolyte quote of Asterman, uh, who is justice and, and judgment. Timurid, have you guys been experiencing earthquakes here in the city? Of course. Yes, all of, all of Menor's is
4: feeling them, yes. W- what's the frequency? Is it daily? Is it, I mean, we've only been here a uh, few short hours.
3: Yeah, what's the frequency, Kenneth? I mean, Tamra Jr.
2: <laughs> 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 is he just there in the corner losing his religion right now? <laughs> it sounds like he's in the corner losing his religion. Mm-hmm. He says, uh,
0: you'll either feel, if you don't feel one today, you'll definitely feel one t- by tomorrow. Uh, it's one or two a day at this point. It's been getting worse. Your father and I have been on a, a task for years now
4: that will either culminate in the end of all existence or life will continue on as it always has.
0: Well, life can't continue on like it is here. I get that, but if
4: we don't accomplish what we're trying to do, there won't be a arrest to save.
0: Three days, that's all I ask. Three days to help me save our country. Father, Marchioness Judge Annette rules this country. Her husband, Etienne, he is the new blossoming storm of the western sky. He stole your title. Oh, jeez. Which then also... Oh, that's okay, I stole their son. Actually, you don't know that, do you? Oh, that's right, I don't. Ah, oh, dang it! <laughs> oh, it was just one of those. Uh, yeah, it was. A, it was a vignette. It was a little. It's a post-credit scene. <laughs>
2: it was a post-credit scene. Yes.
0: Her her husband stole your title. Unjustly.
4: I'm not saying that we can't help, and I'm not saying that I would refuse to to offer any assistance. As we've previously been visiting other cities, we found that our enemies have been in the highest echelons of power wherever we've gone. So our enemy may be the same as yours, but I, I don't know for certain.
3: We have three days before this attack happens. I'm not going to tell you to call it off, and I'm not going to say that I won't help. But the thing, things are different this time, now that I'm back in Menrest. Firstly, as Roos mentioned, we have very lofty goals for stopping the end of existence. But another thing, Ruse now is the... Uh, He is the brother of the Queen of Tabori and the rightful heir of the throne of Arklvi, Everlyn. He has some clout, but also I'm now traveling with one of my biggest detractors at the time, Kalen Richter. Richter's been replaced as well. Former lieutenant general of the Menorys Legion.
0: True. What? (laughs) (laughs) I doubt it. They gave your title away. No, um, Annette handed away the titles, the different storms. But those aren't even hers to give, <sighs> Father. You don't understand. Menarest is not the same. Even when you were here working on it.
3: No, I completely understand, and I'm—I wasn't saying you were wrong. I wasn't saying you were wrong. I'm saying I, that was—that was me voicing frustration. But what I'm—what I—what I was getting at is. Victor is now here with me as well, and together, over the next three days, we may be able to pull some strings politically that I wasn't able to do alone. If nothing else, even just challenging for our old for our old titles, or defending them, whatever you'd want to call it, even that might just call into question that the leadership of this this uh, judge, whatever her,
0: whatever her bucket is. Annette, Marchioness Judge Annette. Judge Annette. And, and Pine, you would recognize her because when you were here during that five-year interlude that we didn't actually play, um, she was definitely one of the six who was gaining more and more power as the other five became less and less vocal.
3: And she's over... Um, she's over uh, Lord Astroman,
0: right? Yes, she's a judge, somehow. Maybe
3: we could get Richter on this council. He loves Astromen. He loves
2: judgment. One of the most judgmental men I've ever met. I judge people all the time. (laughs) Isn't it wonderful? you I judge that one and I judge this one. You you just hear Richter just all of a sudden, I love judging people. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) These librarians are going, what is going on? I'll judge them till they're all dead. Judge this one and that one.
3: We're looking for a herald, a herald of the earth, here in Menrest. But over the next three days, I can give you a little bit of time. Maybe Richter and I can do something in the capital. But if it does, if nothing works, I'd obviously want to counsel with him. But if nothing works, son, you'll have my sword. I promise that.
4: And
0: my pocket lizard. (laughs) You see a tear uh, come to his eyes, and he's like, "Father, I'm. You, you can't begin to know how much this means to me. I would hope
3: for a peaceful transition, a a democratic process. And I get that it hasn't worked to this point. And I have seen, I've seen Annette usurp power for her own gain. She's not a follower of of uh, Astroman. She's a politician." who's looking out for her own interests.
4: Is there a presence of the cult of inevitability in the city?
0: Cult of inevitability? Um, yes. I mean, just here and there. Yeah. People gathering together and talking about the end of time and how there's no reason to to fight or to try anymore. I'm pretty sure some people are just trying to start orgies. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I've been saying.
4: <laughs> Your father is always convinced of that, but I, we have yet to find an orgy in all of our searching. Well, it is—it is a clean podcast. <laughs> this is true.
0: But I had to explain to my to my uh, my thirteen-year-old, my twelve-year-old son. Oh no, what an orgy oh, no. was because we were watching <laughs> Thor Ragnarok, oh, and he's like, "What's an orgy?" and I was like, "It's a sexy party." Oh, no. <laughs> sexy party. <laughs>
1: Honestly, that's a good description. It's a, it's a, sexy yeah, it's not party. bad. Except he thinks the first time he goes to a high school party, he's going to think, oh my God, this was an orgy.
0: <laughs> what? Wow. What a sexy party. Um, look at all these sexy people. It must be an orgy. Oh, he also listens to this podcast. So he'll hear this whole conversation
4: too. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. <laughs> the only reason I ask is if, if she's not devoted to Lord Astroman, and she seems to have risen in power. Um, At the expense of the others, wherever we've gone, the cult of of inevitability has been at the source of of all of the evils we've seen.
0: Yeah, they kind of suck. I have not heard any evidence that she is anything less than a politician. It would seem to me, this is just me looking at it from the outside. Her movements are all building up her own, um her own fortune, her own legacy, whereas preachings we hear from those who preach inevitability are kind of the opposite of there's no point in seeking fortune or seeking comfort because it's all inevitable, it's all going to end. Does that make sense? Her actions are not in line with the kind of the dogma that we've been hearing from the adherence of inevitability. Do you think she's trying to set up a queendom? She already has, in all but name.
3: Ruth, I don't know if you noticed, but we actually met the uh, the, the Marchioness of uh, Lord Cadriel in the library. She's the one who gave us the clue. I, r-
4: I
0: recall.
3: Yeah, she didn't seem very. Uh, yeah, she didn't seem very um, assertive.
0: Oh no, she's the perfect uh, theocrat to serve on the council to be walked all over by Annette. Would I know like how she got that position? Um, you can make a history check. I'll make a history check.
4: I'll put my head right against Mr. Pines and give him an advantage.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Rub them together a little
0: bit. <laughs> oh, that's great. I got a 17 and an 18. So I'll take the 18. Okay. The 18, uh, as far as, so, uh, you know that, uh, during that, uh, five years, uh, kind of as Menarest was being reformed again um pine when you showed up in Menarest in Calinium to see what you could do to help out the theocracy the uh the council of six had already been formed and when you actually showed up uh the librarian of Cadriel uh there were two one of them was Mitri the um the short man with the mustache that you saw that you didn't see but everybody else saw down in the basement But the other one was a different librarian, Um, and uh, it was not Librarian Genevieve. Um, Now, as you think back with your 18 history, uh, you can remember in the times when you were able to interact with the Council of Six, that um, the former librarian was much more vocal and much more, political is the wrong word, just savvy. She was much more savvy than Genevieve appears to be. So... You're not exactly sure how Genevieve got the spot, but uh, it seems that she is definitely more pliable than the previous librarian who had her spot. And d- does she have a name? Her name was Librarian Eloise, yeah, yeah.
3: How can I get in touch with you? Are you going to be here? Will it draw too much attention if I am constantly coming in and out of the city to, to converse with you? Do you have any of those cell stones or anything we can talk back and forth?
0: he He kind of blushes a little bit, and he kind of uh pulls out a book um and he kind of pats it and he says actually i've been I've been doing some studying. I can communicate with you, um, and then you can respond back, which I found very interesting. I sent you a sending, and your response was, "Hey, guys, I've got to go see my son." Uh, it wasn't uh, <laughs> you didn't actually respond to me. Oh
1: my God, that's so embarrassing."
0: <laughs> <laughs> At least I knew you got the message. Classic old man answering a phone.
3: Check in as often as you're comfortable with, but I need to go talk to Richter, because I think we may be able to get something going if we issue official challenges. It may get us audience. And I I, I kinda want to look into what happened to to Eloise. They're at the library now, actually. So um maybe able to find some information there about the previous The Secret One
0: i don't know if he knows about the secret oh one. sorry everyone knows about the secret library dad everyone knows have you been in it because i solved the puzzle it's pretty cool if you haven't been i'm in kidding it. he doesn't say that <laughs> he
3: doesn't he doesn't <laughs> say that there was a really hard puzzle to get in and like i'm not gonna brag but i but i, I kind of solved it
4: <laughs> he's like <laughs> i'm really good at finding secret entrances to things he literally taps on every stone
0: wherever we go. That's why it took us long to get here. <laughs> <laughs> he says, Dad, it's, it's so great to have you here. And it's so great that you're going to help. I think that this will change your, your legacy here in our country. And he, he like gives you like the, uh, the predator handshake. I do. I give him the predator handshake back, and then pull him in for a a big hug with the obviously the the two pats, because that's what you do when you bro hug. He says okay, I'll be in touch later tonight. I I will I will send you, or I will have someone be in touch with you. Where where are you staying? I'm staying at that place that I stayed at last time. Oh, the belly up.
4: Yeah, the belly up. That's right. The cute, cute name with the woman that really has a thing for Mister Pine.
0: Yeah, no, I just—I just think she likes to make me uncomfortable. I was gonna say I was checking up on you while you were here in town last time, and yeah, something about it, that good for you.
3: Doesn't <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that was> matter. <laughs> time of my life is over, and I'm focused on other things. Tamra Junior, back to serious, now, serious matters, really quick. I, I want to be ex- extremely clear for you. It's not that I don't think that this could succeed. I think this very possibly will succeed. What I want is to be able to bring Menarest back to its former glory with as little bloodshed as possible. And I worry for your operatives. And I worry for the misguided, close-minded, but nonetheless mostly innocent people in those in those walls so i want to do what i can to hopefully change some things so that it doesn't have to be as drastic does that make sense it makes perfect sense father
0: and if we can do this diplomatically i i am all for it but wheels are moving things are in motion and in 3 days Blood in the streets. In three days, men arrest will change or or not. But in three days we we cast our we cast our die.
4: Do you have a plan for governance once it's all over? We let the actual temples elect their representatives. So you're trying to reset it back to square one
0: rather than overhaul the system? It's a theocracy. It worked well. Enough. I mean, what's the alternative? A, mon- a monarchy? Uh, an empire? No, no. I, I was just curious. Now, uh, no, I, I, I'm not. I'm not arguing. I'm just saying, we we are going to give it back to back to the the lords and ladies. Honestly, Ruth, I
3: thought you'd like it. It's it's all about balance, right? I mean, it's not like it's not like there's representatives from like the Lord of Murder or the Lady of Pestilence. It's like it's straight up like justice, mercy, knowledge. But true
4: balance would include them.
3: And, well, and yes, and there's also life and death. Nature.
0: As you are finishing up with uh Temer Jr., we're gonna jump back over to the library, uh, the secret library of Lady Cadriel. We have Nari and Richter have kind of finished up their meeting. Colbury has said goodbye. Um so has uh, Zita. Uh, they both said goodbye. That they're conti- going to continue to scrounge up whatever, whatever information that they can. And uh, Muriel and Lionel have kind of uh, they've they've told you what they what information they have, and they've kind of given you uh, a free reign to look around the library if you want to, or um, or go and do whatever it is you need. But this meeting here, the information they've given you about. Uh, inevitability, or the city of Almar, all that information, that's all they have for you. So unless you guys have some specific questions for them, uh, they're going to end the meeting and you guys are kind of free to move about the basement um, on your own.
2: So Richter is talking to Lady Muriel and he's like, so the swept-hilt rapier is among the most beautiful of blades. It kind of reminds me of your hair, actually, just the way it kind of gently flows and and moves and waves. It's a beautiful sword.
1: Nari is trying to be a good wingman, and behind the the lady, she's kind of like doing the cutoff at the next sign, be like something more romantic, bud.
0: <laughs> but she's
3: like, actually, I like what they always say about the scimitar.
4: <laughs> <sighs> My lady. <laughs> That needs oh to be a gosh. shirt. Like yeah. honestly, that line was so good. <laughs> <laughs> makes
0: me want to sinatar. <laughs> it, it's so bad, I love it. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, Richter, why don't you make a uh, why don't you make a persuasion check to see how suave you're actually being? <laughs> or you can do a charisma save, I guess if you want to.
2: Either one. Oh hell oh, yeah! Yeah, I got a twenty one persuasion. Twenty one persuasion. <laughs> All right, um, you know. Oh, you want to do a charisma save? I'll do a charisma
0: save. No, no, persuasion is fine, but I think persuasion is just kind of like just your ability to kind of uh, get your point across to her that you're that you're interested, right? That you find I her. Get attracted. the point across. <laughs> oh <to her> in- <laughs> yeah? no! I see what you did there, Perry. Repost. She, uh, she's, she's, you know, she's talking with you. You know, you, you notice that, like, as you're talking, and she's, you know, she's showing you something, like, in a book or something. And then she kind of reaches over and she kind of puts her hand on your hand for just a little bit longer than is, than is quote comfortable, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, Nari, you uh, have left the room. <laughs> Smart move.
1: Clearly I'm not needed here You
2: know, some people have called me a bastard Because I'm kind of also a hand and a half If oh you know my goodness what I mean Christ. <laughs> I carry a
4: dagger
2: Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh Oh my goodness I am uh, crying here
3: why don't you and I get together and uh, make a messer?
2: <laughs> oh, oh I love it. Solid. Oh my gosh, you guys are terrible. You know, I feel I'm feeling a little full tang right now myself. You know. <laughs>
4: Jeez.
3: Oh no! Man. It, it gets worse. Something, something
0: falchion. <laughs> 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 All right, Nari, what are you doing?
1: Well, clearly Nari was not needed in that room. Uh, So I went out to uh, the room, the room that we came from. Okay, gotcha. Uh, And I was going to see if the fantastic mustachioed man was still around and see if I could pick his brain about who he is and and what he's looking for with his uh, tech severe meal. Oh, gotcha,
0: yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, you, you walk out there. He is still poring over like uh, these documents, these uh, scrolls and things. He has his own little notebook out. He's taking notes. His name is Mitri. He's actually the um, the uh, Marquis Librarian Mitri. He is uh, one of the two representatives from Cadriel in the Council of Six for the entire country of Menarest. and he seems to be um, just incredibly studious and focused, and um, not aware of what's going on around him uh, I imagine you kind of go over there and you sit down next to him he doesn't respond maybe you <laughs> cough a little bit it basically takes you kind of putting your hand on his shoulder or kind of getting in his in his view somehow uh, before he actually looks up at you, you go, oh, oh uh, uh.
1: that mustache is excellent. <laughs> What do you use?
0: He kind of looks at you. He's like, oh, "What must? Uh, oh, uh, my my mustache." It's like, "Oh, just uh, you know." And then he sticks his finger in his ear and he gets some wax and kind of <laughs> gets it out. You know, just uh, whatever I have on hand.
1: That's that's so interesting. <laughs> uh,
0: can 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 I help you, uh, my lady?
1: Oh, I was just curious. Um, what you were studying
0: he turns back and looks at the papers and you can see like uh he he looked a little awkward talking to you but as soon as you ask him what he's studying he turns back to the papers and you see just you know when you ask a nerd about their nerdy hobby that was
1: exactly my goal my goal was to like <laughs> lean in and look so interested
0: tell me about your D and D character
1: yeah, tell me more about what you're studying.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's exactly what happens. He's like, I have been studying um, inevitability. I have been studying um, what's, what's going on with, uh, with the angel, um, the angel Iramil, and what's been going on in the bay outside of the city of Elmar. I mean to take a trip to Elmar to go and investigate the statue myself, but it rose up into the air, and then it, its eyes lit up for, for years until they finally just turned off. So I have been doing some studying and it seems to me that these are all signs. These are all, um, kind of a precursor to something larger happening. Now, what they say is, and he just keeps going, um, Like what they say is that um, a month or two ago, there were these storms that came. Um, I guess it was more like three months ago. Uh, There were these storms that came up, just rose up. Yes, yes. He's not, you're talking. He just talked right over the top of you. Um, There was a water spout. There was a cyclone. Um, They say that after that, the lights turned off. And I'm wondering what I am positing, and he pulls up the scroll and starts showing you. I am positing that the lights of the statue actually summoned those beings, and that the reason why they were on for so many years is because it literally took those beings that long to get here to Pavantis from wherever they came from. It was like a beacon for, and he just keeps on talking.
1: I kind of scoff to like sort of try to stop him and say, <coughs> summoning, uh, what, do you have any evidence for this, or...
0: I mean what else would it be? I'm um, right there's there's no reason for it. Why would the eyes light up every single night? Then when the storms come, the eyes are actually alight during the day, but then they haven't turned on again since. And then recently, just within the last couple of like weeks, we've heard reports about these other angels, these heralds, and it seems to me that the storms that were summoned that those storms were the heralds. And now the heralds are bringing in something else. Something is ushering in this inevitability. And it's, it's on the cusp. And I feel like if we could just figure out the statue in the bay and how it works, maybe we can reverse it and we can actually, I don't know, turn the lights on in the eyes and actually send those heralds away somewhere else potentially. Does that make sense what I'm saying?
1: That's very interesting. Do you have an idea of how we would send them away? How we would turn those those lights?
0: No, I, I I've been arranging an expedition, but my my I haven't been able to get to Almar yet. Um my my duties here in the city just keep me so busy. What with, you know, running the country and everything. Um but I would really, really like to take a trip to Almar. <laughs> By the way, did I mention that I'm kind of in charge here? <laughs> <laughs> he says it he says it like so not. Impressively at all,
1: yeah, I have a feeling that's not his vibe
0: not a, not a humble brag, <laughs> no, not at all it was it was not a humble brag. It was literally like, I have to run this stupid country, um so I can't take my trip to Almar um, to complete my studies. but there's something something about that statue, something about the lights, something about the statue, something about the storms, and I'm wondering I'm wondering if there's more to come, or I mean, if we really are at the end, if I could just get to the statue, I'm sure I could figure out a way. To investigate it, I believe, I believe, he gets really excited, that there is a way inside. There has to be. We just had to fight it.
1: Well, I've been there, and I have not seen a way inside. Do you have an idea of how one might get in?
0: He's like chewing on his fingernail, lost in thought. He's like, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, perhaps, I've heard people trying magics to get in, but maybe they just weren't trying the right spell. Or maybe maybe there's some other way. I don't I don't know. I mean, I haven't been there yet. But I'm sure if I put my mind to it and uh and uh put some thought into it, I'm sure I can figure it out. Um, I'm just gathering what data I can here uh from from this library, and then I will go consult with the other librarians in Almar, and I'm sure we can come up with a way to get into the statue of Iramil. He's like super excited.
1: I'm sure you can. Um let me know when that happens. Uh, here's my cellstone
0: number. <laughs> As uh, Nari finishes up this conversation with uh, Mitri, the uh, the Marquis librarian of, this, of the country of Menarest, uh, and Richter
2: kind of...
1: Did you get her cellstone number?
2: <laughs> I told her that a claymore makes me want to play more, and then I think she... <laughs> Got angry at me! Oh my goodness, jeez!
1: I can't imagine why. That's the most romantic thing I've heard all day.
2: It felt like we weren't vibing anymore. I don't know. I don't know. Looks like you're foiled again. She said, "No, Dachi. More like no deal." <laughs> oh, jeez! Oh, foiled again. That's even better. Foiled again is great. That's fantastic.
0: As Richter leaves a very good impression with library Muriel and uh, Nari leaves a good impression with librarian um, uh, uh, Mitri, Uh, Richter, or I mean, Pine and Roos arrive back at the library of Cadriel, come down the elevator and reconvene with their party. Now, a lot of information to be shared amongst the two different groups, but that is where you're going to stop for tonight. All right, you guys, that was a fun one. Jeez. Wait, now I have to remember all the the things that we discovered until next time. Dude, that was
1: so much information.
0: (laughs) I did give you guys a ton of information. Uh I told you episode 100 is going to be an exciting bunch of carnage here in the library of Lady Cadriel. Hey Richter, hey Richter, I
3: think we need to do an official challenge for our old titles back. It's going to be like a Apollo Creed Rocky thing. <laughs> like Rocky no. 4 when he when he fought Tommy the Machine Gun. Oh. Adrian! That was number 5. That was 5. Oh, number 5. Number four was Draco. That's, oh, yeah. Sorry. Ooh, number I can't believe I got my my
0: Rockies mixed up. Ugh. All right, guys. Well, hey, thanks for playing and thank everyone else, you guys, for listening. 100 canonical episodes. It's amazing. I can't believe we've reached this point. Um, and we're still going. Uh, if you like what we're doing, which you obviously do, go check out our Patreon. You get more information, more maps. You get our outtakes, you get our uh, bonus episodes, um, you get our character sheets. Also, don't forget we have uh, merchandise uh, for sale at our website. And other than that, until we get together next time for episode 101, we hope you have a great time.